You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions in the comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah.gmail.com, and of course, I will answer as many as I can. So, with the holidays behind us, I traveled to the East Coast. My, I had a grandson, thank you very much, and his circumcision was last Sunday, so the family, we went in for the weekend, had the circumcision and the, or the bris uh, Sunday morning, and then we headed back, back to Detroit by Sunday night, which is really perfect timing for the Torah portion we need to talk about. Because one of Abraham's ten tests um, towards, at the end of Parashas Lech Lecha, is Abraham is tested, he has to have a circumcision. So, why is that a test? Well, first of all, he's 99 years old. Right? So this is major surgery. And it's dangerous. Right? Even nowadays, you know, my son, my 11-year-old, was very curious about the whole circumcision process. And there's blood. And it's cutting off the foreskin, and it could be uncomfortable to watch. I generally don't watch. Uh, but my son wanted to watch because he wanted to know all the details because uh, um, there's, in the Mishnah, and the Talmud, it talks a lot about how a circumcision is done, and he wanted to see the process so he would understand what happens by a circumcision. So he's a very interesting child in that way. So for an eight-year-old baby, it's, I'm not saying it's not surgery. I'm not saying it's that dangerous, even though, the, the mohel, the person who does the circumcision, has done so many, and they're experts, and they know all the details, and they know what to do, right? But at the end of the day, God says that, do the circumcision, I'll protect you, and, uh, and that's exactly what happens, that God protects, God makes it safe. But Abraham is 99 years old, and Abraham is busy trying to tell the world about God. And Abraham could think, God, come on, I, I, I'm an old man. If I do circumcision, if I don't live, so he's not afraid of dying, don't get me wrong, but if I don't live, who's going to continue on my life work? Besides, you told me I was going to have children, and they would continue on my life's work, and if I have this circumcision and something happens to me, it's all over. That's what makes it a test. All the tests, and we've talked about it in the past, all the tests that Abraham has... They're all things that would go against his nature of what he would imagine is the right way to serve God. Which is why, interesting enough, um, Abraham being thrown into the fiery furnace, uh, according to many, doesn't qualify as a test. Giving up your life to serve God? Huh, that's the most normal thing in the world. Everybody who believes in something will give up their life for it. That's not a test. test is when... It goes against what you think is what God wants. 
but more about all this soon. But first of all, of course, we always have to remember, um, I ask you each um, show, all my dedicated listeners, I know you guys love the show, and I need your help to, that we, we got to grow, we got to get the word out to more people, let more people listen to the show, and we got to, of course, take care of what it costs to run the show. So I would love you to please go to my homepage, hit that donate button, please leave your name, I give you a shout out, memory of, happy birthday, happy anniversary, whatever you'd like, and in advance, I thank you all. So let's get back to this circumcision for a second. Let's, it's a big deal, circumcision. Now, by the way, circumcision is one of those commands that it doesn't matter how religious you are, how irreligious you are. For the most part, the Jewish people, of all the commands, circumcision is one of those commands that we've been doing forever. In other words, since the time of Abraham, circumcision is something that Jewish people have always done, no matter the situation, no matter how dangerous. There's multiple stories, but you don't have to go so far back in history. In other words, you go back to Russia and after the revolution, and any type of religious stuff was they'd throw you to the gulag. They'd send you to Siberia. And, you know, if I, if I shake my little Vanessaric, right, I put my, my phylacteries, my tefillin on my arm and my head, if I pray in a room that nobody sees, so I could get away with it, right? I'm going to keep Sabbath. I'll stay in bed all day, right? You don't know, right? You can't prove that I'm being religious. But if I'm circumcised... You can't hide that, right? And I was, what are you going to do? The police come and say, uh, in the nicest way, you know, pull down your pants. We got to see if you're circumcised or not. You can't hide that. And still, we know um, in Russia, now, there were fights. There would be wives that would uh, wait till their husband went off to work or went on a, a trip, and they'd secretly call the Moel into the house and they come in quietly and privately and they give the circumcision and it's too late. And then send the mole on his way and sneak back. And by the time the husband got home, it's too late. Right? There were, there were people that did this. This was a big deal. I, I remember a story. There was a lady. Um, and you couldn't always get somebody to circumcise in Russia in those days. They had to come in from another country a lot of times. And they had to go through back doors and sneak and this. And you had, uh, however, they did all this stuff. And after her child was circumcised, the mother gave out a cry and gave the child a kiss. And, and somebody asked, like, I mean, you're, uh, why are you, oh, it seems you're overreacting. She says, you don't understand. I was afraid that I would not, Give my kid a circumcision. Very hard to find someone to come. Forget about the eighth day. Very hard to find someone to come and circumcise my child. And I was afraid that I would forget about it. I was afraid. And, you know, many Russians, by the way, when they would come to America, um, teenage years and older, they would get circum circumcised because they were never able to do it as children, even if they weren't religious. So the mother said, I was very afraid. So I said, I am not kissing my child till my child has a circumcision. Whoa. And she didn't. She waited a full year. Can you imagine a mother waiting a full year to kiss her child? 
because she knew he's Jewish, he must be circumcised. And it's just one of those things that the Jewish people have always, always continued to do. And the Talmud says that any command that we did with joy and we were, we were the way that we were moist and effish, we would give up our life for, those commands have staying power. Those commands that we weren't willing to give our life over and we didn't do with the right joy, those commands, some of them fall off to the wayside. Um, the Talmud says tefillin is an example. As Unfortunately, I'm sure there might be millions of Jews that don't even know what tefillin phylacteries look like. But they, they all know what a circumcision is. And they probably all got one, at least the men. Right? So it's, uh, it's fascinating. It's, uh, I had a friend speak to me recently, and he was his grandson was circumcised, but they didn't have the ceremony, the naming ceremony, which I, I understand that the grandfather wants his grandson to go through the whole ceremony. He feels it's important, and I don't disagree with him. But the fact is the kid was circumcised. Right, so obviously the parents don't care enough about the circumcision that it's uh, they wanted to do the whole Jewish ritual, but they still gave the kid a circumcision. Like why? Because it's part of our DNA, and that you can't get rid of, which is really, really amazing. So, the in the circumcision, there's different parts. Circumcision is a treaty. We call it a bris or a brit. And in Hebrew, a, a, the word bris means a treaty. A treaty means we have two parties that, uh, that get together and say, I'm for you, you're for me. Right? Normally we think of a treaty with countries. Right? Like a peace treaty, I won't go to war with you, you won't go to war with me. Um, the treaty with God is not a treaty that we won't go to war I can't exactly go to war with God, and I don't want him going to war with me, right? So in, in this case, a treaty means that I tell God I belong to you, you belong to me, um, we're, we're together. I'm, I'm your nation, you're my king, all the things that they get involved with what a treaty with God would mean. And that's what a circumcision is. As King David says, he was in a bathhouse, he says, I... I have no mitzvahs with me. And then he says, oh, I have my circumcision. I still, I always walk around with my connection to God. It's interesting, by the way, that only men have that, right? There's two out of the three, what we call signs to show I'm connected to God, um, only men have. Women don't have it. One is the phylacteries, the tefillin, one is the, the circumcision, and the third one happens to be the Sabbath. So it's interesting that women don't have the first two. They only have the Sabbath. And some will say, and probably rightly so, that the, the men are the ones that need it. Right? At least certainly with the way things used to be with farms and going out, it was the men that went out, men went out to war, women stayed home. So the men going out into the world needed everything they could uh, get to hold on to. The women didn't need it. But even not that. You know, men have a command. They dive in three times a day. They go to synagogue. Uh, women walk around all day praying. And their whole daily conversation, they're talking to God. Men are not so good at that. Perhaps, perhaps. 
Um, one other point I wanted to bring out. One of the things that uh, that we do is it's and it's for health reasons. You know, it's anything that's that's been done for all these thousands of years, we're doing it because the rabbis told us this is necessary and must be done. So this got a write-up in my least. I won't even say it's sarcastically. I wouldn't even want someone to think that I mean it and I'm trying to be tongue-in-cheek. Um, and I'm not so into newspapers, but if I had to put my newspapers in order, the bottom rung, um, the award for my least favorite newspaper, I shouldn't get the word favorite in there. It's not favorite, but it's the least favorite. The least newspaper is the New York Times. Um, and they continue to... Um, they continue to uh, keep that title. They had that rate up recently about all the, the day schools, that they weren't happy with their level of education. And it was clearly a, a hit piece. I'm not saying that it was completely wrong, that there was nothing true. I'm not saying that there were things that were true in there. But but the, the idea, as I heard somebody say pretty um, eloquently, is you have all these... Um, Hasidic schools that English, the you know maybe reading and writing and arithmetic are not on the top of their totem pole. They're much more interested in Talmud, in Torah, in Jewish law. The children are being educated. Their brains are working the whole time. But they will not speak English as well. They will not read and write as well. And the Times has decided that that's terrible and we need to impose our views on those religious Jews that don't care about our reading, writing, and everything else. Even though right, the Times usually applauds people that are different. Any group that's different gets applauded, right? We don't have to give you so many examples for you to figure out. Anyone who doesn't want to, you know, follow what you'll call the norm uh, are applauded for being different. That's what liberalism is supposed to be about, right? You're, you're entitled to lead your own life as long as you're not hurting anybody else. You're entitled to, leave, to lead your own life and everyone has to follow along, except if you're Jewish. In that case, the time seems to change the rules. So... Uh, that least newspaper many years ago had a different hit article about something called mitzitzvah. Mitzitzvah means that that you have to suck out a little bit of blood, and that's necessary in the healing process for the circumcision. That's what the Talmud says. And the Times decided that's a terrible thing, and they decided it's very unhealthy, and they even went ahead and made a big deal that there was herpes coming from it. And the truth was there was no proof. There were a few cases of those children that had herpes. There was no proof at all that that's where it came from. And it's something that that the Moalim, the people who circumcise children, have been doing for thousands of years, and we never had any problem. And they're still doing it. And we still don't have any problems, except for those two or three cases that the Times claim they discovered, and there was never any proof that there was any truth into what they printed, but they don't really seem to care um, ex exactly about what's true or not true. 
are religious or not religious, if it doesn't follow what they believe in, if it doesn't uh, strike their chord, um, then it's terrible and it must be stopped. So, okay. So uh, I figured it was worth bringing it up because uh, it is something that's still out there that people still talk about. Um, there is no truth at all to there being any health issues. Um, I can assure you they rinse out their mouths with alcohol. If there's any open sores in their mouths, they would never touch the child, let the father touch the child. Um, but to try, and as you're coming and telling me, my uncle said this, he, was the, he did the circumcision, so there was a uh, person came to him. I have a grandson. I went, to, can you circumcise me? Yeah, no problem. Well, you know, but we have one problem. Um, my son is a doctor, and he um, he doesn't want you to do that that sucking, that mitzitzvah. So my uncle says, look, I follow the teachings of my teachers, of other teachers, all the way back to Mount Sinai. And we were given very clear direction of what's called a circumcision. If you don't want to do the circumcision properly, then go to somebody else. But if you want the circumcision done the way God gave it to us at Mount Sinai, you know, once you try to change the process, so you're saying, you know, it was a good process for 3,000 years, but um, recently we've become much smarter, and we know much better the proper way to do a circumcision. That's ridiculous, right? Uh, I, I, I said at the beginning of the show, right? It's God is the one that's telling us he's going to protect this child, and he does. If you do it the way God says to do it, you want to change the rules, go right ahead and change the rules. Write your own Torah. Write your own rules. Yes, this is how circumcision was supposed to be done um, till now, but now we're much smarter. Now we know how to do it better. If God wanted you to do it better, he would have told you to use a tube or a tissue or whatever else he says, would have told you to do that way back when he started. Right? God gave the directions. We follow the directions that God gave us. As and yeah, and sometimes no questions asked. Because otherwise you're doing your own thing. You want to create your own religion, you want to say you know how to do it better, go right ahead. But don't tell me that you're circumcising your kid. And please don't tell me how I'm supposed to circumcise my child. And don't tell me how to be religious, right? You're a newspaper. You're supposed to let every culture, you, you, you applaud each culture. You applaud each group that comes along and says, this is the lifestyle we choose. So this group can choose their lifestyle, and you applaud them. And this group can choose their lifestyle, and you applaud them. And you attack anyone who dares tell you, don't allow someone... Yeah, uh, that everyone has to be like me, right? You, 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 you fight anybody who says that you can't have your own culture, you can't have your own lifestyle, right? I'm not allowed to start up with anybody's lifestyle unless that lifestyle is a religious Jew. Then the rules change, right? Which is really a sad, a sad point. Then you're not really liberal. You just have your own agenda, your agenda is whatever you want to do, but it's not across the board. If it was across the board, you let everybody do it, but you don't. Okay. Well, that being said, let's talk a few more things about circumcision. So there's an interesting medrash. The medrash says that a circumcision is like 
bringing a sacrifice. There's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of similarities between a sacrifice and circumcision. The blood of a sacrifice causes forgiveness. The blood of the circumcision also causes uh, forgiveness. Um, we do not bring an animal as a sacrifice if it's less than eight days old. We do not circumcise a child before he's eight days old. Now, by the way, something fascinating. I'm not sure if you knew this. I know we've talked about it in the past. There's vitamin K in the bloodstream. The vitamin K uh, is a coagulant. It, it allows the blood to form a scab so all my blood doesn't fall out of me when I get a cut, right? A hemophiliac has, does not have a clotting agent in his blood, so getting a cut is life-threatening. The most vitamin K in the blood is on the eighth day of a child's life because that's the day that God set up for circumcision. So he already created in the child which day should there be the most vitamin K, and that's on the eighth day because that's the day the child is supposed to be circumcised. Right? Only God makes all those extra calculations, right? Because that's how he created a person, that that's what we need. Um, also, when we bring a sacrifice, um, eating the sacrifice uh, brings the forgiveness. That's part of the forgiveness process. What do we do by a circumcision? After the circumcision, we have a festive meal. Now, I don't know why. Um, when I grew up, uh, people would have real meals, home-cooked. Uh, but now, I guess, people are in a big rush, and nobody wants to work too hard, which I don't blame them, by the way. Um, uh, so, therefore, everybody, it's, it's always the same. It's bagels and cream cheese and lox and tuna fish and egg salad and orange juice, and there's a table with coffee on the side. Every circumcision meal that you'll go to, I can't say every, but almost everyone you'll go to um, on the East Coast, and probably here is not much different, it's all exactly the same. How this became the Jewish meal to have, uh, to have uh, bagels and lox and cream cheese, and, and I guess if it's fancier, maybe there'll be uh, some eggs at this, they'll have a scrambled egg station, and maybe it'll make some fancier cakes or dessert to give out. Oh yes, and there's donuts piles of donuts but okay um that's what we're doing but the medrash continues one last thing to think about is that the circumcision is done to my body the sacrifice i did it to an animal so not only are we comparing circumcision to a sacrifice but you have to say the circumcision is way better than the sacrifice, because circumcision I'm doing to my body, while the sacrifice is not my body. It's a cow, sheep, goat, whatever animal you happen to be using. So my daughter came to me the other day, and she has to she has a class, they do public speaking. I needed to give her a story. So we've actually been practicing the story. So I'm actually pretty good at this story. And it's a great story. It's a great lesson. Hopefully we'll get through the story and the lesson uh, before we have to say goodbye. So there was a school in Israel. I'm assuming this story goes back 50, 60 years ago um, before um, everybody understood the dangers of smoking. So there was a school. It was a post-high school, and it was in Israel. And there were a lot of guys who smoked. So there was a lot of smoke in the study hall. 
So what are you going to do? You don't like smoke? So you open the windows. The problem was in Israel, uh, there was no heat in the building. So during the winter, when it's chilly outside, you open the windows, it's freezing. You close the windows, you can't breathe. So they went to one of the leading rabbis at the time. His name was Rabbi Yashiv. And he said to them, take a vote. Get everyone together. Take a vote. Whoever wins the vote, if the smokers win the vote, they win. The non-smokers win the vote, they win. Finished. Majority rules. So they made announcements, but of signs, we're going to be having a vote about this issue of smoking or not smoking in the study hall, and everybody come and vote, and the majority wins. So the smokers knew they didn't have a majority. So they boycotted the vote, and therefore they said it's not a legal vote. And the non-smokers put up a sign, according to the great rabbi, the majority voted, everyone was entitled to vote, they chose not to vote, and the vote came out of no smoking. So the smokers said that it was an illegal vote and therefore we could smoke. Nothing changed. But the sign was hanging outside the study hall. So the rabbi, Rabbi Finkel, the head of the school, sees the sign and he says, one second, and he must have said this loud. This is my study hall. This is not a democracy. You don't get to vote to decide what to do in the study hall. I decide what happens in the study hall and he took down the sign. A few days later, they hung up a new sign. Please be kind to your friend, and if at all possible, please don't smoke because it affects them and they can't study well. Well, this new letter was so powerful, they all stopped smoking. Because if you demand something from me, I ain't listening. But you ask me to be nice? Everyone could be nice. But the music's playing. We'll talk about this another time. I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to all our wonderful sponsors. Listen, you know, I can't do it without you. Thank you to our wonderful production team. We have Cisco in the back. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it.